Let me tell you a story. Welcome, Welcome to the show. To the show. Hi, Chris and Jerry. Well, Chris, if it doesn't make dollars, it doesn't make sense. Am I right? All right. We've uh, we've all heard the cash cliches. Right? It's the root of all evil. It makes the world go round. Uh, get rich or die trying. Dollar dollar bills, y'all. All of that, right? And uh, but you know, money. It's never been the love of my life. Right? I don't put too much emphasis on on trying to make gazillions and gazillions of dollars, right? Don't get me wrong, right? I enjoy having it, but I don't tend to focus too much on, on money a whole lot. Uh, but I do find it really interesting about the, the stories of people who, who spend their money on ridiculous things, right? Um, we've all heard the stories, those wacky stories about the $10,000 burgers, the $100 bags of potato chips, right? The $50 fries, all that. But it's usually the same old story, right? You got the Kobe beef patty, you know, some truffles on there, saffron, yeah, some aged cheese. And it's usually, you know, due to half the bill being being due to some some over-the-top bottle of wine. So that's usually what uh what makes up that that obscene amount of money. Yeah, then there's the the thousands and thousands of dollar whiskey shots, right? Those are usually, you know, from some distiller who decided to make only two bottles and age them forever and ever. And they finally release them and people pay, you know, just $10,000 for a single shot. Oh, just crazy. But yep, these things, uh, you hear them all the time, but I'm not not too interested in those. What I am really interested in is when, when people spend, you know, a very large amount of money on, uh, on these ridiculously overpriced, you know, everyday objects. Uh, and that brings me to my story, right? So let me to- tell you a story about... Lou Yikien. Uh, it's probably butchering the poor guy's name, but uh, you know, there's nothing poor about him. He's he's a billionaire. He's the Shanghai billionaire, right? Uh, Mr. Yikien. He's a uh, trading stocks. You know, investing. He buys and sells. Just typical billionaire stuff. And uh, I'm sure Mr. Yikien, he spent his fair share on those the burgers and the shots that are you know just thousands and thousands of dollars. But he also has an eye for art, right? So Mr. Yikien, he has spent $36 million on something called the chicken cup. So this chicken cup, it is a, a porcelain cup, right? And uh, he he bought it at an auction in uh, Hong Kong, I believe. And Mr. Yikien, Mr. Yikien is a proud new owner of this chicken cup, right? And the reason it's, it's so expensive, right? This porcelain cup, very small, very tiny. But it's so expensive because it's from the Ming Dynasty, right? That's where all the... When the Mings, they used to be the emperors and have a dynasty way back in the day, right? I think it was in the 1400s, if I'm not mistaken, right? History class served me well. 1400s, I think the Mings, they were the, the rulers and they had their dynasty. And now, I don't know who's, whose dynasty is on now, but, but the Mings had it then. And um, back then, you know, people, people create what they need, right? So they made like these little porcelain cups and uh, they painted on them to decorate them. And, um, you know, you paint whatever you see. So I'm guessing there's just chickens running around China. So they're painting these little chickens and these little hens on this this porcelain cup. And they do that. And then they, you know, they just put it put it up. And uh, But this thing's lasted for, for all these years in some re- really good condition. And Mr. Mr. Yiki and he saw this and he's just, oh, I've got to have it. I need this thing. So he bids on it and bids on it. Now it goes up all the way to 36 million, and everybody else is like, you know what? 
too rich for my blood. Um, so Mr. Yakin's the proud new owner. And, um, you know, he's, he's a, a billionaire who likes to enjoy his art. He doesn't just put it on the shelves and just let it collect dust. Just show it off to his billionaire friends. Maybe he's got a couple millionaire friends. He doesn't just sit there and go, oh, look at this cup that I bought, right? He, he wants to use the things that he's bought. Right? So as soon as he buys this thing, he gets it from the auction house. He looks at it and he decides, you know what? Would be really good in this $36 million porcelain Ming Dynasty ancient artifact. Would be some some tea. Or say he goes over, over and he gets, gets this little tea. It's probably green or oolong, right? That's what typical billionaires drink, right? Green or oolong tea. And then uh, they steep it. Steep it for the three minutes. 185 degrees, right? Don't want to burn the tea. So he steeps it. Uh, and Mr. Yicky in, he takes a sip from that from that uh, porcelain cup, the chicken cup there, and posts it on Instagram or Snapchat, whatever his social media preferences. And, uh, you know, it ruffled some feathers. Right? No, no pun intended, but it, the chicken cup was taking sips of that, it ruffled a few feathers. And he, uh, he got some backlash. You know, they said, what are you doing? You're being disrespectful. And he said, listen, you know, this is a, this is a cup. It's supposed to be drank out of. And who knows what emperors or... You know, imperial concubines, ancient times have used this to drink out of. You know, now my name's added that that list of the rare people who have drinking out of this cup. And, uh, you know, good for him. I mean, if you're going to spend that kind of money, you might as well, you know, do something that nobody else can do and drink out of this cup, right? Now his name's added to this ancient people that have drank out of this cup. Just now he can put it on the shelf, right? Or he could use it every day and just hope he doesn't drop it. But, uh, oh man, Mr. Yikian, good for you. You know, if you're going to spend money on something like that, you might as well use it. My philosophy anyway. Well, there's two sides to everything. And for every billionaire who spends a million, millions and millions of dollars on cups, right? There's also someone who spends $3 at a yard sale and they end up, you know, buying a Picasso, a lost Picasso painting worth $150 million. Uh, so the story I'm about to tell you is nothing extreme, right? It's not, not something that extreme, but I do believe it deserves to be told. Right, so let me tell you a story about three college students. So there's there's three college students, right? There's Reese, he's a he's a gentleman, and he's got two lady lady college roommates, right? This story could have gone uh, tons of different ways. <laughs> so there's Reese, and there's you know he's a gentleman, and he's got two lady lady friends. Uh, I think her name is Claire and Laura, Cassie, Cassie and Laura. So Cassie, Laura, and Reese, typical New York names. Well, they're all from New York, and they all, they're all going to New York College. And, um, you know, they don't have tons of money. You know, so they're they're trying to decorate their dorm room. They just moved in, and um, they all uh, getting to know each other. They decided it would be a fun bonding experience, right, to go down to the local thrift store, just pick up some cheap furniture, and decorate their place, make it look nice. And uh, so they go down there, all three of them, getting their, I'm guessing they... Maybe they'll ride their bikes, they'll ride their bikes down there. There's probably not, right? <laughs> Wouldn't ride their bike to a thrift store looking for furniture. Maybe they got a U-Haul, okay, or a minivan. Pickup truck. Let's say they got a pickup truck. They take their pickup truck and just cruise in New York streets and they get to the, the local thrift store. And they're looking at lamps, you know, they're looking at desks, they can do their little homework on, maybe, uh, maybe a couple of end tables, right? And, uh, also, they need a couch, right? So they go find a couch, and um, they they see one. It doesn't look too beat up, and 
and they don't they don't sit on it, which is a huge mistake, right? You got to make sure the couch is comfortable. But um, what they do do is they, they look at it, says you know what it'll fit the it'll fit our space that we need it for. It doesn't look too beat up. I like the color, right? One of them says, right? One of the ladies, and they they pick it out. Twenty bucks, you know. They get their lamps. They get their twenty dollar couch. They get some end tables, right? And they head back to their dorm room. They decorate it. They're feeling pretty good about the place, right? It's starting to look really good. It's starting to all come together. And then finally, they sit on this couch. And they're like, man, this thing is really uncomfortable. It's kind of lumpy, right? It feels like, feels like there's some some springs that are broken, just jabbing jabbing up into to my bottom there. And so, so one of them, I believe it's Reese, the male of the group, he he decides to look inside, right? So he he unzips the cushion, pulls out an envelope. Oh my goodness. What do we got here? Maybe it's a secret love letter to somebody, and uh, be very, really interesting to read. He's an English major, by the way. So he uh, he opens it up, but oh, lo and behold, it's cash, cash money, and uh, he counts it out. Four thousand dollars. Calls everybody in. Hey, look, look at this. Yeah, four thousand dollars in this twenty dollar couch. We've struck gold, and uh, they all come running. They look and they go. They go, oh my goodness, I wonder if there's any more in there. Oh, Reese is like, wow, that's a brilliant idea. Why didn't I think of that? So he goes and he, he looks around some more and they end up finding more and more envelopes full of more and more cash, right? They're already up to $40,000. Oh, Lord, $40,000 for a $20 couch. That is a good buy, right? So they're they're just talking about all the things they could do with this money, you know, all their the way they're going to split it up. And they go, you know what? Let's give it one more look right let's look one time through the rest of the couch make sure we didn't miss anything so they're just taking knives to the couch at this point just ripping the thing up making sure they didn't miss anything and they find one more package or one more little envelope there and they're really excited so they open it up and what do they find oh no it's a deposit slip and they have a person's name on it and they have an address and here comes the moral dilemma what do you do what do you do and so they talk about it. They say, well, man, we got to do it. We got to try to find the owner, right? It's just the right thing to do. And uh, so they, they call around and and they find find the uh, where the address is, where the, the little deposit is. So they find where the owner lives. So they go to the house, you know, just going to maybe ask some questions, right? They probably see somebody who's, who's looking like a drug dealer. They might not give the money back, but who knows? So they just go over there and they say, hey, How's it going? We're looking for, you know, and the, the lady didn't give her name. Let's call her uh, Edna. <laughs> We're looking for Edna. Um, do you know if she's home? And it's just that her daughter's there. And her daughter says, you know what, Edna? She's she's my 91-year-old mother. She's a widow, and she's in a hospital because uh, she broke her hip, right? Typical old lady stuff, right? 91, widowed, broke a hip. Those are the three things you got to do to become an old lady. And so... They're like, oh my goodness, now we gotta give the money back, right? This 91-year-old widow broke her hip, she's in the hospital, we can't steal from a, from her, that'd be horrible, right? So they they tell the daughter, they're like, listen, we bought a couch from the Goodwill, and the daughter's like, yes, I know, I, I dropped off the couch at the Goodwill. Um, it was my mom, she's not gonna live here anymore, right? She's breaking hips, she's gotta come stay with me. And they're like, I know, I know, but, but if you just let me finish, so we got this couch, there's money, just a bunch of money just in the cushions. And so the, the daughter's like, oh, I had no idea. My mom's been stashing away cash. And so they, they all go to the hospital to meet Edna. Say, Edna, we have your couch. And <laughs> Edna just looks at her. 
and gets a little upset at the daughter, right? Why would you give away my couch? I love that couch. He said, listen, mom, you can't stay at the house. You gotta come live with me. And just, you don't tell me where I can and can't stay. I'll, I'll live at that house till I die. Said, listen, mom, you're gonna come live with me. We got rid of your stuff without asking. Yeah, without asking, because you make horrible decisions. Uh, maybe that's how the conversation went. But so they end up talking to her and say, hey, we found your couch at the Goodwill. I'm like, oh my God, my money's sitting in there, right? She said that was her life savings. She didn't trust banks and can you blame her, right? She didn't trust banks, so she would just stuff cash filled envelopes into the cushions and uh, that's where she kept her all her money. But her daughter had no idea, gave it away to the Goodwill. These three young kids found it, thought they struck gold, uh, but then they end up returning the money to Miss Edna and she couldn't be happier. So she gave him a thousand bucks as a thank you. You know, what a what a great story. What a happy ending to a happy story, right? On all, on all sides. If they would have found a $40,000 and a $20 couch, that's a great ending to that story, right? Even better, they ended up returning it to the Edna there and just making her day. Oh, this fills my heart up, makes me smile. Jerry, I was happy when you wanted to do an episode on people who spend their days wasting money. I truly appreciate these types of stories. Your pockets are to another level when you have the nerve to purchase a $36 million cup, much less actually make tea in it and sip from it. Just imagine the look on your face when you slip and watch it drop in slow motion to the ground and shatter. An absolutely ballsy yet stupid move. Genghis Khan could use this as his personal war cup. It doesn't matter. If it's worth that much money, why would you even risk using it to sip tea from? I guess the same could be asked with why would you jump out of an airplane? It's gotta be a rush, you need to be the next on the list. You need to feel important, you need to feel special. I love stories of people going through mass amounts of money. For me though, it isn't the multinational billionaires that I ever so love watching fall from grace. For me, it's the stories of entertainers here in America. Actors, rappers, top elite athletes. Yes, these are the ones that I love reading about. It could be the built up envy that I've stored inside me, perhaps some kind of jealousy on my end. A great example during our lifetime is none other than Iron Mike Tyson. Overall, he earned around $700 million. A quick glance at the internet claims he is now worth only $3 million. So this man has earned $700 million and he has spent $700 million. That is an insane amount of money. Don't get me wrong, $3 million is still a great chunk of money, especially if you have a knack for investing. I remember growing up and reading about his entourage. He traveled with a massive group of people at all times. Recently, I watched a comedian say that one night Tyson gave him a fucking Bentley. Gave him a Bentley. Because Tyson wanted him to come party with him at some spot. And he told Tyson, you know, I can't go. I left my car across town. Tyson threw him the keys to a Bentley and never retrieved it. Some months later, some shady dude that was running the accounts for Tyson called that comedian and said, hey, Tyson wants his Bentley back. Came and collected the Bentley. When that comedian ran into Tyson down the line, Tyson said, do you still enjoy your Bentley? Tyson had no idea that that shady motherfucker came and repoed the Bentley. He truly gave it to this comedian as a gift. That's just how he was when he had all of this money. Imagine being around somebody like that. He paid $2 million for a bathtub for his wife, Robin Gibbons. And then shortly after that, he lost $9 million to her in the divorce settlement. That's not even a drop in the pool for this man. Estimates say that he spent about $4.5 million or so just on cars alone. He had homes that he never stepped foot in and leather seats that he'd never put his ass on. His pay-per-views were insane. I watched many of them. Those were some fun get-togethers. Nothing better than dropping $50 to watch someone get dropped before he broke a sweat. Those were some wild family get-togethers. Everybody would come in from who knows where, sit around the television, 
And in the first round, Tyson would just annihilate somebody. A majority of those fights we watched when uh, analog cable was still a thing. We always had the black box, so we could avoid that $50 charge. However, the parties were tremendous. For the entourage that he traveled with, it's estimated he paid about $200,000 in cell phone bills and pagers alone. He was a flamboyant and crazy entertainer to watch. America couldn't get enough of him. Not even the rape conviction could curb America's appetite. As soon as he served his three years, he quickly signed for a $25 million fight against Peter McNeely. For most of us, I would like to think a rape conviction and three years in prison would give us time to think and possibly change our ways. Not the case for Tyson. He really lives in the moment. Over the next two years, he would collect another $140 million in purses for boxing. It's wild to think that today he's only worth $3 million. To be honest, if he had a pay-per-view tomorrow, I would be one of the first idiots logging in to see it. I guess the real downfall for him was biting Evander Holyfield. We wonder what was going through this gentleman's head. You know, you could never get away with that. There's cameras everywhere. He was fined a few million for that maneuver. Let's get past Iron Mike and move on to another A-list celebrity that we all grew up watching. His box office numbers were staggering in the 90s and 2000s. Nicolas Cage. I love some of his movies. Leaving Las Vegas, he nailed that role to a T. The man could definitely act. However, his spending habits proved to be more than his ability to earn. He once spent 300 grand for a T-Rex skull. Apparently, he outbid Leonardo DiCaprio. Who in their right mind would pay $300,000 for a T-Rex skull? In 2004, it was reported that he had 50 cars and 30 bikes. I bet this guy was a blast to party with in Vegas. He purchased a yacht and then named it Santa. It had 12 master bedrooms. Dropped a cool $20 million on a fucking yacht. He purchased a haunted house for $3.5 million. Legend says it was used to torture and kill slaves. Another oddball item to chase after. Why would you pay $3.5 million for a house that was used to torture and kill slaves? 15 mansions, two European castles, a crocodile, shark, and octopus, a Gulfstream jet, over 50 high-end, well-sought-after art pieces, a massive comic book collection, shrunken skulls, and a couple of islands in the Bahamas. It always blows my mind when these people go off the rails like this and end up being completely broke, barely making watchable C-list movies. I have a good friend who I would turn to instantly if I came into a chunk of money. He is a wise investor and would throw me his two cents. I'm not claiming I wouldn't buy some ridiculously fun, wasteful items. Trust me, I would. However, I would also have some locked up that I could never get my greedy paws on. A good example for this, my bachelor party. I knew I wanted some cash in my pockets toward the end of the trip. We had a couple of bottles and a table booked at Sapphire. As soon as we touched down in Vegas, I handed my wise friend a stack and said, whatever happens, do not give this back to me until we are in the club. I do not care how drunk I get. I don't care what story I tell you. Just do me the solid and be my vault. I can remember it clearly when that moment arrived. I tapped him on the shoulder and said, Hey, let me get that cash. He looked at me right in the eyes and said something along the lines of what cash? And he had me for a second. My point is if you are horrible with money and you win the lottery or your cross-dressing Aunt Patty passes away leaving you a crazy amount, have fun with it. Shit, wipe your ass with hundos until your ass is stained green. Just make sure to set some aside. Rags to riches so often becomes riches to rags. Thanks for tuning in this week. Hopefully next week we can entertain you as well. If anyone has any thoughts, tips, ideas, suggestions, please let us know. We're wide open. We're on Facebook. Let me tell you a story. If anyone out there wants to be on the show, we are available to do interviews in Fresno and here in Portland, Oregon.